Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Jane Maguire. Today we're speaking with ultra runner Damien Hall about his fastest known time on the Pennine Way. Jane, how's it going? Yep, all good, thanks. Um, not much to report. I've done some a bit of running this week. Um, I went out on Friday to do my long run because um, I like to mix things up and I don't always like to do a long run at the weekend and it was so hot (laughs) it was uh, the hottest day I think of the year but I might be wrong um that's right yes so yeah I just took it took it really easy um you know had some water ran on the the Thames path and yeah embraced the the really easy chilled out miles good audio book um and yeah really enjoyed it actually that's nice yeah I had a similar experience I did a sort of 16 mile route from uh, mine to Greenwich and back uh, which I've got really into but yeah I did a genuinely easy run and I think um, it made me realize that I've been doing lots of what I think is easy pace but actually coming yeah. back and feeling a bit like feeling a bit knackered and a bit like oh that was that, there was some good miles in there but that's not really the point is it with of easy running and it's kind of like you should almost come back feeling in some way like more rejuvenated and refreshed at the end of it and I, I don't do enough of that I think yeah and I think um I think it's a heart. There's something about heart rate, isn't there? When you look at it afterwards, and you're like, "Oh, I, mm. my, you know, my head's telling me it's easy, but my heart's like, slow <laughs> down. What are you playing at? It's a hot day. It's a pandemic. Calm down." So yeah, I think hopefully all our listeners are listening to this, taking it really easy, not doing any kind of crazy tempo or anything. Just chill out. It's it's the best way to run. I think. Why? What are we all racing for? What's the race about? Yeah, and I think it's what the pros do, isn't it? I mean, there's books like. Uh but are dedicated to the 80-20 method. So like the idea that 80% of your mileage should be really easy and, and 20% should be hard. And I think so few recreational runners actually follow that 80-20. I think we, we do way too much that's kind of quite hard and then yeah. and not enough truly easy or indeed truly hard stuff. So like almost like polarizing your, your paces, I think is yeah. actually the, the much better way to do it but it's so easy isn't it, to go out the door and be like oh I'm kind of half trying again this will do right perfect yeah I think I bag. sometimes I think where it's busier than ever with runners which I absolutely love but you sometimes kind of end up in a in a weird race don't you, yeah. do you know, when you kind yeah. of you're on the pavement with someone and you're like oh you know 
oh, I think I should keep try and keep your pace for a bit. And why yeah. do we do that? Why can't we be like you do you? I'm doing me. Have a good run. But I, you find myself like racing poor like people that just don't want me there. Just like, leave me alone. Let me do my run. <laughs> there you go. Socially distanced, of course, but still, like we need to just we need to all calm down and all run slower. I think is the message of this week's podcast. <laughs> This is the Runner's World Podcast. Yeah, we really hope you enjoyed listening to last week's podcast about the lack of diversity in trail running. Um, we'd like to say a huge thanks to, to Sonny Peer and Sabrina Pace Humphreys for coming on and speaking so openly and honestly about um, some of the challenges that people of colour experience when trying to enjoy the trails and, and indeed the, the British countryside as a whole. I think it's really important that we discuss these subjects and um, yeah, it's going to be something that we revisit going forward. I mean, I found it so so interesting and I think um it's a it's really important that we all educate ourselves on an experience that we might not you know certain runners listening to this won't have experienced but that doesn't mean it's not happening and I think it's so important to to have the conversations to listen to the conversations and to kind of I guess just try and think about what what we can all do differently to kind of make running more more diverse make trail running more diverse and just you know open up the conversation I guess and educate ourselves I think it's is the important message but yeah I was I found it really really interesting and I, I loved chatting to both of them no I think I, I think that educational aspect of it is um is important for for everyone I think you know for, for us as well to, to hear some of, of the course. challenges and experiences that they've had um that I guess as a as a white man on the trails like I haven't had those experiences or even even had a sense that those barriers necessarily exist and I think what Sonny was saying about um you know racism being much much more than just surface level abuse which obviously still Mm -hmm. exists but it's kind of it's bigger and more systemic than that and I think that can be the part that perhaps is harder to understand for for white runners the idea that like well how can how can a trail or trail running or a or the countryside be um, be racist in some sense but actually I think the way he explained it um, yeah for me really really brought it home and uh, yeah I, I think you know as I said we need to keep that discussion going and um, yeah I hope, I hope our listeners really really got something from it yeah me too I think um, yeah we'd love to hear more um, from people you know we'd love to hear more about what you thought of it and um, guests that you would love us to talk to as well would be interesting wouldn't it yeah, definitely. Yeah, let us know. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Look, let's talk about FKTs, so fastest known times, because that's what um, we're going to be speaking about mainly uh, on this show. So just a bit of background, I guess. So yeah, we've, we've obviously lots of races being cancelled as a result of, of uh, coronavirus. Um, yeah, more and more people have been taking things into their own hands, really, and doing these fastest known time attempts. So we've seen it up in Scotland the fells of the Lake District, even someone set an FKT around the London Loop recently. So it's been embraced by, um, yeah, by runners of all all abilities in, in all parts of the UK. Um, I remember when these first started happening, Jane, or, or certainly when they first came to like my, uh, on my radar, and I, I used to think it was a really kind of US-centric thing because they've got these massive trails over there, you know, stuff like the, the Appalachian yeah. Trail or like the Pacific, uh, was it Pacific Crest Trail or PCT? on the west coast um and i thought it was all a bit sort of um niche but it seems like it's something that actually you know lots and lots of 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 british runners are are embracing 
Yeah, for sure. I think even um, I always kind of thought it was a bit like, uh, you know, like those Strava segments, which I guess would be yeah. an FKT sure. um, in a different world. Like, but I was always kind of like, oh God, that w- that wouldn't be me. I'm not that kind of runner. But I think it's through, um, we've had a go at them, haven't we, at Runner's World. And I think that's kind of got me into them. I mean, I'm not, I'm nowhere near fast enough. You'd have to find me a piece of road that had never been walked down for me to set an FKT. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've climbed to the highest peaks of every London borough, haven't we? Yes. And then yeah. we, did, we attempted the London Loop, which was was an experience. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that'll be our challenge post-lockdown. Another, another, another team of... FKT. Don't, yeah, we... don't rely on me, listeners. Don't be holding out for me to do an <laughs> FKT. <laughs> well, we've, we've probably done... I think there's a sort of subsection of the FKT which should be better titled the the OKT, like the only known time. You know, taking yeah, taking true. these things to the point of like of almost parody when you're like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll set a fastest known time by default because no one else has ever <laughs> attempted this. Uh, so then it has that, it has that appeal, doesn't it? Like you can be super specific with it. So you know, if you if you are imaginative enough, you probably can be a record breaker as well. You could set an FKT of your own back garden. So exactly, exactly. Unless, unless you live in a shared house of loads of other runners, you've got a good <laughs> chance. Go for it. I mean, I'm in a one-bed flat. I could maybe do it in my car park, but I would look <laughs> crazy, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should bring on our guest this week who's, who's set a, an amazing FKT on, on a very well-known trail. So, uh, yeah, I think it's time we bring him on. Guest of the week. Our guest this week recently became the fastest person to run the Pennine Way. Damien Hall completed the 268-mile route in two days, 13 hours and 34 minutes. He beat the previous record set the week before by US runner John Kelly by more than three hours, and he did it while picking up litter along the way. Damien Hall, welcome to the Runners World Podcast, and congratulations on a spotless piece of running. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having me. For anyone who is not au fait with the world of FKTs, could you give us a a brief explanation about what we mean when we say FKT and what some of the rules are? Well, yeah, it's this, um, well, it's, it's, a, it's an area of the sport I, abso- I absolutely love, but it's kind of, um, I suppose if you think of it a bit like Strava, Strava segments um, where people get a bit carried away often. So instead of a Strava segment that's, I don't know, a minute or, or even 10 minutes, um, FKTs tend to be, uh longer longer ones i guess possibly the most famous one in britain is you know the bob graham round is is essentially an fkt um i guess the phrase fkt is it's an american phrase for this kind of fastest known time um in britain i suppose we are a bit more we were having this debate actually while we were there and whether we just call them records and we don't need to say fkt because that's an american phrase but um yeah they've definitely mushroomed in popularity in the last few years and then even more so this summer, but mostly because of the lockdown. Um, and there are some really, some are really established, like the Bob Graham round or maybe the Penham Way. And then some, you know, you can kind of go and make your own FKT, which is what's so wonderful about this this part of the sport, really. Yes, yeah, so it could be very small and specific, I guess, if you wanted to, like, just go and do one that's, you know, next to your house or whatever. Could be round around your back garden. Yes. <laughs> 
Which, which quite some low-hanging fruit out there, isn't yeah. there? There's some low-hanging fruit in this world. <laughs> yes. What drew you to the Pennine Way? Obviously, it looked beautiful. We were lucky enough to kind of follow you via video. But um, what drew you to that part of the world? Yeah, I've got um, quite a lot of history with it, um, actually. So, so I was um, I I lived abroad for nearly a decade, mostly in Australia, and then I moved back to Britain in 2010. And and um, I was I wasn't a runner at the time. I was a I was a hiker. Uh, a trekker uh, or a rambler or whatever you want to call it um <laughs> and i was very lucky i was an outdoor journalist and i got commissioned to go and do a guidebook for the pennine way and I, I hadn't walked it before and that's our our it's our oldest national trail and it's linked with the uh, mass trespass on on kinder scout in the 1930s which was this really important piece of civil disobedience that got the land regulation laws changed so that so many of us can sort of go go out in the the outdoors in, in more places than we used to be able to go um so, so I walked the Penang Way in, I think, 2011, um, and it's, yeah, it's 268 miles, so it takes you kind of two to three weeks usually. Um, and, yeah, I, I loved it, w- wrote the guide for it. And then as I got more and more into uh, running and, and understood all that, all that world, I ended up doing the Spine Race a couple of times, which it goes along the Penang Way as well. Um, so I'd actually covered it three times. Um, and then... Well, about four years ago, um, I did my, my, my kind of first uh, worthwhile FKT, which was uh, on the Southwest Coast Path. And when I finished that, I remember driving, driving back with my two friends who had helped me, and we were sort of discussing what next. And Pennine Way definitely came up. But the record on it was so good that it was really intimidating. Um, this chap, Mike Hartley, ran it... Um, yeah, back in 1989, and it set such a good time on it that, um, you know, it was really, really intimidating to me. So I kept putting it off, basically, until until kind of lockdown gave me no more excuses. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's got a lot of press up in my way over the last few weeks because... Your friend and rival John Kelly had, had only just set an, an FKT on, on the Pennine Way. Um, did that give you added motivation, the fact that he'd, um, that he'd just kind of lowered the, the record? Um, and are you still friends now? <laughs> <laughs> I think we are. I hope we are. Um, yes. So we, we both kind of knew each other were, um, were, were planning it. He, he, did, he did sort of pledge to have a go at it first. And I still hoped to do, say, UTMB, for example, um, yeah. this year. And then I did say to him, like, if UTMB gets cancelled, you know, hope you don't mind, I might have a go as well. And actually, we had, you know, there was a spell where we thought maybe we could both go at the same time, either together or from either ends. Um, but ultimately, yeah, we couldn't wow. really get the first, the, the, the sort of right dates to, the dates to suit each other. Um, but yeah, so it was fascinating watching him go and we, we shared information um beforehand as well about odds and ends um so we did kind of help each other a little bit um yeah watching him was fascinating and because it, it actually helped me because it showed me yeah it showed me it was possible basically um it gave me yeah i felt more optimistic about my attempt after after his attempt because he had he had managed to do it after you know 31 years and, and until then the record had looked almost un, unbeatable yeah, was it one of those? Um, oh, well done! I'm really happy for you, but secretly you're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, probably um, no, <laughs> no, it no, wasn't. I at must all. admit. Um, so he knocked. He beat the record by I think 34 minutes. I think so. Quite, quite close in ultra running terms in in the ultra running world. 
I must admit, if he'd had knocked it out of the park, if he'd knocked two or three hours off it, I would have been like, oh, you know, that makes it really, really tough for me. So I must admit, there was a bit of me thinking, you know, congratulations, well done, but you have left the door. Thanks for leaving the door open a little bit. But poor, poor John, he did really struggle on his. He had um, a lot of tummy issues. I think like the whole time he had tummy problems. You know, that's three days of not being able to eat properly. Um, so his, in a way, his run, I know mine was quicker, but his run was was more impressive. I think more gutsy. Sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, <laughs> more, more gritty, you know, more determined because he was really, really struggling um, to get the calories in and, and just, you know, he must have he must have been in some dark places um but that's what he's renowned for is like you know digging himself out when when he's in a tough place so that was yeah incredibly impressive what he did and he went south to north didn't he he went south to north and you went north to south what what was the thinking behind was that your was that your preferred route Damien going north to south that's that's what you wanted to do yes so um Mike Hartley went south um and my first instinct was that I, I'd gone north three times already. Um, so I just wanted to keep kind of keep it fresh. I didn't want to go off the Pennine Way. But it also was helpful that Mike Hartley had gone south. So I did phone Mike Hartley up and say, and, you know, he was really generous with his time. And I asked him, you know, several questions. And, and he said he had chosen to go south, um, partly because I'd be running home. Um, and partly then you get the Cheviots out of the way early. And that, that's, there's a big remote section where you can't get any road support. Um, for maybe five to seven hours, depending on how fast you're going. And it's like in the spine race, that's left or right at the end of the spine race when everyone's wrecked. Um, But of course, with an FKT, you can choose. So I chose to sort of get that aspect, to get that part done um, early. Um, That made more sense to me to, yeah, to do it that way, I suppose. Um, The disadvantage of going that way is if the weather really picks up, the weather usually comes from the southwest, so it would be right in your face if you you misjudged it, if, if you're unlucky with the weather. So, um, yeah, that just, that's one of the great things about FKTs as well. That Yeah, you've got these puzzles and, and these choices to make as well, um, which I like. You also wanted to make your attempt carbon negative. What does that mean and why was it important to you? Yeah, um, good question. I, um, I was just questioning myself a lot um, last year about sort of, you know, I, I, I thought I cared about the environment, but I was flying around the world to races um and you know I, I was unsure I suppose I felt uneasy about about doing that and and whether I was you know doing enough for you know I'm, I'm, I'm it does all the whole environment thing seems incredibly urgent um and and I was worried about whether I was really doing enough in that regard so I, I was lucky I found a company called um Our Carbon they're quite a new company um, and they um, sort of audited me in a way, like a carbon accounting. They sort of went, <laughs> went through my books um, in terms of, you know, my, my emissions and my whole family's emissions. And that was really fun and interesting, actually. And so they calculated an amount for last year. And then they sort of, we came up with a target for this year, which would be a lot less. It is all on their website. I can't remember the figures off the top of my head. But I think we saved, I don't know, in theory, we should save, you know, six tons of carbon this year um, as compared to last year or something. Um and of course, it did involve a little bit of offsetting, um, which isn't perfect. But I, I don't know what the you know the other solution is for now. But but yeah, so my attempt fitted fitted into that overall plan. So although I did you know I did encourage some car journeys that wouldn't have otherwise happened. That you know that's the sort of truth of it. Um, you know my attempt it wouldn't have worked without those car journeys, and there wasn't really an alternative. Um, I it, I guess in another uh, it would have been nice to use more public transport, but obviously that's not not so clever at the moment. 
Um, but yeah, and then I, I also sort of, yeah, we pick, picked up litter as we went, which was uh, just a kind of fun, I, I must admit the Pacers did almost all of that. That was just a kind of fun. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't imagine, you know, when you finish a marathon and you can hardly bend down to take your shoes off. I was like, how was he plogging? How was he there picking was... up litter? <laughs> in one of the videos there is there is a bit of me trying to do that towards the end and it's not it's not pretty um but thankfully my pacers were i never asked my pacers to do that but they instantly were sort of we're doing that you know and and they were they were doing that for me which i'm very very grateful of um that's very good of them yeah well done them yeah the the weather looked i'm I'm going to say challenging at times i think I, i saw some images of you coming um past tan hill which i think is the highest pub in in england uh and uh the weather looked yeah like it was just driving rain um what how do you how do you manage to sort of keep your spirits up when conditions kind of feel like they're against you uh i i i've made the mistake in the past of sort of saying i love a bit of a rain and a bit of cold weather so so every time it happens i have to sort of remind myself that i've told people mm. uh that i love this sort of stuff so i've, I've sort of dug a dug a dug a bit of a hole for myself there um, but actually, honestly, the, the bit when I struggled most was on the Friday when it got a bit warm. And I say warm, it wasn't wasn't mega hot, but it, I, you know, I don't I don't really love running in the heat that much. So actually, cool, cool temperatures are, are pretty good for me. So um, yeah, uh, and I guess I I I had those motivational things of the you know, I suppose the climate stuff, and and I concentrated more on that. And um, yeah, it was. It wasn't too bad, to be honest. It was just a bit of little bit of light drizzle, really. Because you you ended up raising what four thousand was it four thousand pounds of Greenpeace in the end? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was maybe up Amazing, four and yeah. a half. Yeah, really, really, really flattered um, and grateful to people for that. I I think I only put a, I initially put one thousand as a target, and 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 then I sort of the last minute I changed it to two. And the, but yeah, people keep people keep donating, which is incredibly oh. kind. And, and that yeah, that's great. And but it is a really useful tactic. I, um, you know, definitely Nikki Spinks when she does things and Randolph finds if you if you chat to him when whenever they're doing big, big physical challenges, they're raising money for charities really close. Well, for both of them, it's cancer charities that have really you know had an impact on their lives. So the more motivation you can get that's kind of personal to you, the um, well probably the better you'll do, or the more motivated you'll be in those those tough moments, um, such as when it's raining, I suppose. And what were you um, what were you wearing on your feet for this? I think that's the first question that all runners seem to ask. What did you wear? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I'm lucky to be sponsored by Innovate, and they've got a uh, a cracking new shoe out. It's an update on the Terra Ultra, um, and this is a Terra Ultra G, which stands for graphene, which is this incredibly tough rubber they use. Um, it's the G270. Um, and actually the shoe is, it's only just come out. It's designed actually for harder trails like UTMB, but actually, um, it was cracking in the, in the, in the Pennines as well, which is a lot rougher terrain actually, um, mm. the, than, than the Alps. Um, so you get bog and, and rocks and then a bit of road and then some rough trail. Um, and actually, yeah, they were, they were excellent. Didn't have any foot problems. I did change shoes once, but that was purely because they'd been wet for a long time. And I just changed for a dry pair, um, when I changed my socks. But just change into another pair of the same exactly the same model. Um, mm. But they were outstanding. Yeah, really good. Are they are they a zero drop shoe? Or they not? are. Yeah, and and I must yeah. admit, I wasn't. I didn't understand. There seems to be a, a bit of a cult around zero drop. Um, <laughs> and I mm. a while ago, I was a bit skeptical because I've occasionally had Achilles issues in the past. Um, but actually, uh, they've been absolutely perfect for me. I, I um, the zero drop thing. 
and actually I've got a friend who's got Achilles issues and he can only wear a zero drop. So it might be that, it, I don't know, maybe it fully extends the Achilles and, and, and gives it a good proper workout rather than letting it slack off. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a convert to zero drop. Can I join your cult, please, zero drop people? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very good um, thing for someone who doesn't want to drop any litter either, Damien. It feels like a good... <laughs> kind of good, uh, good shoe for you, the zero drop stuff. <laughs> I see what you did there. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. I'll probably edit that out. <laughs> no, no. This is the Runner's World Podcast. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're a multiple FKT holder, David, because like you said, you're the Southwest Coast Path. I'm pretty sure you've still got the Paddy Buckley round in Wales. Do you know what? As, right? as we're speaking, a very good runner is, is trying to break that. So um, okay. I might so not have that by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, got, I've kind of got five, I suppose. Um, Beth Pascal okay, and I so what, so what, what, what have we got? Pennine Way then. Uh, Paddy Buckley, as of now, Southwest Coast Park. Yes, and, and then Beth Pascal and I, uh, two winters ago, ran the Cape Rath Trail ah, in Scotland together. Yeah. So that's a joint one. Um, and then also I, I, I have the Paddy Buckley winter record, which I guess you could say whether that's a, you know, whether, whether that really counts or not. But um, some people record that. And um, yeah, so I've got five for now. I, don't, I doubt it'll be this good again, because by the end with, of our conversation, I've probably, probably down to four. <laughs> and then, um, and then we'll see. What, it'll be fascinating to see on the Penn Way because you know I know of one or two other good runners who who might fancy it, and it'll be intriguing, intriguing to see what happens there. I like the idea of running an FKT, but I want to know more about. Um, I think Rick and I were joking about this, and we were recording a podcast, and we'd mentioned you running this. What do you listen to? How do you keep your mind occupied for that long? Because I just, I, I can't bear the sound of my like own thoughts in my head. So, what did you just like zone out, or are you chatting? What are you kind of doing while you're running for that long? Mm. Yeah, 
Good question. I must admit, this FKT was different for me, and it was the first time I had like a team with me, like a team of pacers. So I, I always had at least one person, um, sometimes up to three. Um, so, but the conversation would really vary. I mean, it was probably quite clear to them at quite a lot of the time that I wasn't feeling very social. Um, <laughs> but what the probably the more experienced ones did, and what they're really good at is, I don't know, they might what was best actually when the other two people near you were having a conversation and you could sort of tune into it a bit and be distracted by it without having to contribute. Actually, that was, that was actually probably the best, the best scenarios. Um, so you were just eavesdropping on people's conversations. That was, that was quite good. Um, so you didn't like listen to all of the Harry Potters or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must admit I've got, I do have a sort of um, race mix uh, on a, like an iPod shuffle and I had it in my bag in the van in case I needed it, but I didn't go to it in the end. But that does have, yeah, a bit of flight of the Concords actually is, is what, um, yeah. That <laughs> Some would, light relief. Yes, yeah. that would definitely, that's a good, or maybe, yeah, an Alan Partridge audio book might be another good, um, good <laughs> option. Um, yeah, that sort of thing I think could, could well work well, actually, yeah. How much did you sleep during, I mean, you, you, the record's just over two days. How, how did you manage that part of it? Yeah, so I, I went, my plan was I didn't have a sort of plan to sleep but I was open-minded and thought I probably will need some power naps. So by the first, the second morning, actually, I, um, I lay down for 15 minutes. Um, I, I, I still don't know whether it was like seven in the morning or sort of 11 in the morning, but at some point in that morning, I lay down for 15 minutes. I think I probably had 10 minutes sleep and, and that, that seemed to work for a bit. Um, but then later that afternoon, I lay down for 15 minutes and it didn't, I didn't get any sleep. Um, and then thankfully someone wise, persuaded me later on um at sort of about nine o'clock that that you know I'd built such a decent buffer of nearly four hours actually that I was better off banking a proper sleep banking it then um otherwise my sort of pace would probably spiral downwards um until it, until I was kind of done so um I was struggling I was just kind of feeling a bit goosed it's weird to um you can't always put your finger on what it is it might be the sort of 150 miles you've just run I guess <laughs> but um, but I had a forty five minute lie down and probably slept for you know thirty to forty minutes there. So I think I think around forty minutes overall um, in in sort of two or three lie downs, um, and that seemed wow. to just about do it. But definitely that second night was the I always thought that would be the toughest time, and it kind of was. Um, but I was lucky actually. I had Nikki Spinks with me during that spell, and she was sort of yeah she wasn't she wasn't letting me. I was hinting at more power naps, and she was having none of it basically, and sort of uh she tricked me into um i don't like coffee she, she tricked me into eating a coffee bean um which was just disgusting and, and i spat it out everywhere and but that did sort of wake me up just the the act of spitting out the coffee bits of coffee bean um woke me up so thank you nikki <laughs> and what would your um advice be for anyone looking to run an fkt um i think if you're I think a lot of the fun is almost grabbing a map and, and looking locally and, and often there's a, I don't know, there could be a 20 mile trail or, a, or a ten, even a 10 mile trail or um, the whole joy is that it's a kind of DIY adventure. Um, so, so you, you can almost, and you can, yeah, you can create your own FKT, which is, is wonderful fun. So I would almost, yeah, grab a map or, or go online and do that. Um, there is a great American website called yeah, fastestknowntime.com and you can search on there. For, for what's been registered and you can register your own things on there um so you can do that um or it might be simply that you you don't worry too much about 
a fast time and you just sort of look for some good trails um you know for maybe a holiday you know two to three day running holiday um you know on this on the southwest coast path or something like that um i guess that wouldn't strictly be a fastest known time but it could still be a cracking a cracking little holiday um but that's what yeah it's it's a great it's a great sort of activity to to get involved in i think just a couple more questions damien if that's all right um so uh yes i'm thinking john kelly's probably best known for his escapades at the barclay marathon that the almost sort of unfinishable ultra in uh in tennessee are you tempted is, is he saying look you know we, we we battled it out you know on, on kind of your home turf to a certain extent <laughs> are you tempted to go to go to his home turf and 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 take on the barclay or not <laughs> i um i am i am actually yes oh good um, yes but yeah i i think i can't do next year i think i'm i'm sort of semi-committed to a race uh next year around that time because it didn't happen this year i, I probably okay. i'm probably going to be so um and then and then the next issue is simply getting into it is tricky but you know um may hopefully he or, or nikki spinks will be able to help me um but yeah i'm in, i'm interested i'm interested yes we'll we'll see um round two challenge accepted <laughs> <laughs> yeah not many not many british finishes I know, I know the first guy to ever do it was a brit wasn't he mm. but other than that would you i think you might be the second brit if you did it <laughs> not many people do it on their first go i don't think but um but you're right yeah good research and, and it'd be fascinating to find that guy actually because i don't yeah. know anything else about him i can't even remember i know he was i think he was ex-military i think oh. he was like ex-army or or raf maybe raf but apart from that yeah i don't think he went on to do anything else you wow. know which is kind of surprising That'd be a good story to track him down, actually, uh, Runner's World, and, and, and find out his story, actually. Hey, if you can get hold of him, Damien, you can write, you could write the piece. Thank you. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got commissioned live on a podcast. Yeah. All right, I'm on it. <laughs> um, we've kind of touched on poor John's kind of nutrition struggles. How did you eat, and did you have any problems with that, or were you just eating constantly? Um. Yeah, I, I, I definitely had more fortune than him. But I guess what happens to me in these things is I just I think like a lot of people, you just go off eating because it becomes a chore and your mouth, your mouth actually sort of doesn't want much in it. It gets kind of sore um, and, and disgusting and it's hard to keep things going in. But the trick then is is it's almost aim for the sloppy stuff. So that's mm-hmm. kind of rice pudding and, and porridge and, and um, tinned fruit. Um, so I didn't I didn't get it all right. Um, but, but I suppose I got it right enough to, to be able to break the record. One thing that went down really well, and I was interviewed live on, um, BBC TV, uh, shockingly enough the other morning, and, and this made me look a bit posh. So I'm reluctant to say it again, but someone else, someone else gave me an avocado and hummus sandwich at one point, And I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's what I need. So for the next day, I think I just pretty much ate, uh, avocado and hummus sandwiches, um, with, with a lot of washed down with a lot of tea. But um, yeah, I'm aware that makes me kind of sound posh. I did have, you know, chips as well. Uh, so I'm a man of all of all food groups. <laughs> right. F- final question, Damon. You, you did some homemade tattooing uh, ah. for this. And a, a lot of people were wondering what the, uh, you had FFF written on your forearm. And we tried to work out what it stood for. I'm presuming it's not fastest finger first, but what was it? <laughs> um, yeah, it was either, either three, three swear words or... Um, I, I did, if I'm honest, I worked with a, a sports psychologist, uh, Dr. Josie Perry, um, yep. and she encouraged me to kind of crystallize what was I doing it for um, so that, yeah, in those dark moments, you remember um, your motivation. So 
uh, I came up with this, yeah, basically family, you know, for, for my kids, not that they're the least impressed. Um, and then the next F was for friends, but really that meant all the people there helping me because it, it's kind of like if someone's going to get up at three in the morning to meet you on a, on a, on a you know, a rainy hilltop, then, you know, you, you owe them, you, you should put in a good effort for them and, and, and not quit when it gets hard. Um, and, and the third one was, yeah, future, I suppose, which was the sort of the green stuff that I was trying to sort of, um, promote a bit as well. So, so yeah, um, it looked a bit silly, but it seemed to work in the end. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Demi, for making the time to, uh, to speak with us for the podcast. It's great to hear a bit more about your, uh, FKT on the Pennine Way. And I think Jane and I are going to have to try and find some low hanging fruit in the FKT world to see if we can, we can bag a few records. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure and good luck, good luck bagging your records. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.